0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at the end of Matthew chapter 7 together. As you're turning there, let's remember the first words of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The entire point of the Sermon on the Mount, that we would come to Jesus, that we would come to Jesus as people who are poor in spirit, as a people who have been humbled by the recognition of our sin that he has brought to us during the course of the sermon, that we would recognize that we are a people who have nothing to boast before our God. Now, as we come to the end of chapter 7 and enter into chapter 8, I have to ask the question as we see One who is made clean there, a leper, is the entire point of the Sermon on the Mount that we would come to Jesus with a heart framed like the leper at the beginning of chapter 8. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Perhaps the, the outline of this section of scripture in Matthew is this. Jesus is the King who brings us to the Father, the essence of the Sermon on the Mount, the disciples, like the leper, come as humble supplicants, as a people, simply making request in humility and yet entering the kingdom as beloved children and what we discover is that the way of the king is the way of restoration it 's an outline that we really see in Matthew chapter. Five, six, seven, and then into eight. This morning we'll look at it. We're going to look at Matthew chapter seven, verse 28 through eight, verse four. Please follow along with me in your Bibles. And when Jesus finished these sayings, Matthew is now entering back in to the narrative. We've had a wall of red text, if you've got a red letter Bible, we've had a wall for three chapters of Jesus' very words, his teaching, and now the narrator re-enters. When Jesus finished saying these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. Chapter 8. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word stands as a whole, that it can't be simply broken up into chunks and bits, but rather you have put together this story in the way that you have so that we might see who you are and know what you have required of us. Lord, I pray that you would fashion among this people a humility. A humility that the Sermon on the Mount requires. And that is so beautiful to behold as we see it this morning. A humility that finds restoration, hope, salvation, peace in the Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would work that in the whole of your people. Everyone who has gathered this morning, each particularly, Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, in our passage this morning, here at the end of chapter 7, Jesus has just preached a sermon, the longest uninterrupted uh, words of Jesus in the entire scriptures, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. And he ends this section saying that when Jesus had finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Particularly, they were astonished... Because he had spoken as one who has authority. You see, it isn't just a matter of who Jesus claims to be. Jesus doesn't just make bold claims and make an argument to back up the claim about who he is. It's a matter of who Jesus taught like. There is a way that he teaches that itself makes an argument for who he is. Jesus didn't teach that he had authority. He taught with authority, you see. He, exerc- he exercised his authority by means of his words. That's what a king does. This tells us something about the way that we're to approach all of the word of God. The words of Jesus are not merely informative to tell us about him. They are transformative. That They are to, to change who we are in our relationship to him. We are a people who hear and listen and are shaped, and he is the one who speaks and works and shapes. Pastor Jamie Vizzini in Crosspoint Peace Tree City, to be honest, he has been very helpful to all of the other Crosspoint pastors in his study of the Sermon on the Mount as we've worked our way through. And one of the phrases that he gave to us is that we are not only to appreciate the words of Jesus, we are to appropriate The words of jesus it is an error to appreciate but not appropriate and i'll tell you exactly how we do that we appreciate the words of jesus but do not appropriate them when we grab them as if they were some sort of hodgepodge group of proverbial sayings that we can pull out and say i like that one yeah that's my life verse as if the whole of the teaching was not to be that which is to shape the whole of our lives. We have a Jesus who has spoken, and we are not to just appreciate him, we are to appropriate his teaching. We're not supposed to look at the Sermon on the Mount and say, ah, that's good stuff, that's some good teaching right there. We're supposed to say, ah, I see. That changes something, doesn't it? As Jesus himself says, we are to hear and do the words he's spoken. The words of Jesus are to be, have a, a transformative effect. Or they haven't really been heard by the listener. I would ask you this morning, as we've worked our way through this sermon series in the Sermon on the Mount, have you heard words of truth? I'm asking you, each one. Many of you have been here the whole time. Have you heard the words of a king who has authority to say what he has said? Have you heard words that ring like reality? Have you heard the words of a king who's describing the way of his kingdom such that the only appropriate response is to submit? You're the king. Your way is the way. Your way, says the entrance into the kingdom, is poverty of spirit, not self-righteous hypocrisy. So as we come down the mountain, having considered the words of the king, we're going to spend the next few moments considering an unexpected individual who comes along and he helps to tell the story of the Sermon on the Mount for us. Again, Jamie Vizzini said, "King, the king who astonishes becomes the Savior who cleanses. And so let us consider the leper. Look at verse 8 with me. When he that is Jesus came down the mountain he was done with his teaching right? Everybody has seen and heard everything they need to see and hear. Well evidently not. Great crowds are following him. Verse 2 and behold a leper. Now If you're anything like me, as you read the scriptures, you're going along, you've heard it before, you're sort of reading, and behold, a leper came to him, and knelt before him, and you miss that there's like this word that's in there that is utterly unnecessary, it could simply say, and a leper came. But it doesn't say that. It says, and behold, look, notice, see, be astounded by the fact that, Of what happens next. Behold a leper. Came. To help us to behold. To help us to understand. Since maybe this is not something that we would see. In a regular context. and a regular walking. Though some of you I know have seen this. Leviticus chapter 13. Helps us to behold the leper. The leprous person. Who has the disease. Shall war torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out unclean unclean he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease he is unclean he shall live alone his dwelling shall be outside the camp, friends. I, I hear that, and I feel like I see something different than when I just read. And behold, a leper. I, I hear that, and I say, "Wow, this isn't a. This is no small happening that is happening here. That a leper, the one who isn't supposed to come up to Jesus and say anything, is supposed to be off in the corner in the shadows saying." unclean, unclean, not Lord, unclean, comes to Jesus. Look at the end of the passage. He is unclean. I didn't need that sentence. He's already said it like three times. But the scriptures want us to be clear. The leper is unclean, shall live alone, and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. We'll come back to this in a little while. But you know that those few sentences at the end of the description of the leper that is actually a very extended description. I've only given you the last bit of it. You know, those last few verses are a near identical description to hell. The dwelling place of sinners who have been cast out from the presence of God. They shall dwell alone and their dwelling shall be outside the camp. And Behold, That one comes to Jesus and says, Lord. Now we're going to quickly move to see how the leper is a visual representation of the reality of our sinful condition. But we should not miss the physical reality of the leper. Let us behold him. Let us look at him. Let us consider this this man who... He's unkept. He's got torn clothes. His hair is hanging loose. His face is covered and all that comes out of his mouth is unclean when he's not alone. We'll see play out an interaction that's powerfully physical. It's an intimately human reaction that this leper has with the Lord. We have a man who is unclean, who has lived his life alone, who's shut out from among the camp of the people. And he's entering the crowd, and he's being touched by the teacher as he comes down the mountain. Friends, this is given to us intentionally by Matthew to help us see something. What we see as we look at what takes place with the leper, it says, Behold, we're looking at him, a leper came to him, and it says, He knelt before him, saying, Lord If you will, you can make me clean. He knelt. I think that when we see him kneel, we are to think of the first words of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He knows he's nothing. He knows what's supposed to come out of his mouth, and so he kneels before the teacher. Truly, even according to the law of God, the the leper is utterly... No right to be at the foot of the teacher. And so he kneels, poor in spirit, knowing that the only way he can remain in that position is by the grace of the teacher. Lord, is his confession. Lord, if you will. And quickly comes to my mind the prayer that we're supposed to pray, right? Not my will, but yours be done is the way that Jesus Expresses that prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done, is the way that we are to pray. And here the leper comes, having no right, no right, according to the law of God, no right to be there before the teacher. Lord, if you will, you can cleanse me. It's one thing to be humble. It's another thing to be humble before Jesus. It's to say, not only am I unclean, not only am I not fit for the kingdom, it's to say, Jesus, you are Lord and the only way by which I might be made fit for the kingdom. I say that for this reason. I know that there are some here who like being told that you're not fit for the kingdom is no problem for you to hear. You know that. You've been humbled by your sin. You've been humbled by your brokenness, your weakness, your addiction, your suffering. You know what it is to be weak and humbled to a place of destitution so that you have no problem covering your lip and saying, unclean, unclean. But friends, that's not true humility before Jesus. The call of Jesus is not to remain in the corner saying unclean. The call of the teacher is to come and say, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. That's true humility. That is true faith before the Lord. Not to remain in your sin, in your uncleanness, but to come to the Redeemer and say, your will be done, cleanser. You can make me clean, is his confession. I love the way that the leper makes his request. His request comes in the form of a confession. Note this. There are other words he could have said, right? How would you say it? You've got a disease, you need healed. Jesus, you here is a healer. He just came down from a great teaching. He's been healing people before he went up on the mount and gave the great teaching. He comes down. Now's your first chance to talk to him. What do you say? <clears throat> Jesus. Would you please heal me? Right? It seems most natural. Maybe, Lord, teacher, rabbi, would you please heal me? I'm unclean and I need cleansed. Right? Make your requests known before God. Ask, seek, knock. Right? But that's not what the leper does. What does he do? He makes a confession. A proclamation, it's a declarative sentence. It doesn't have a question mark with a request at the end of it. It has a simple submission and confession. It's it's really the answer to a catechism question. What is true about Jesus, given who you are, leper? Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. His request is a confession, a profession, a proclamation of faith. This is the leper's confession of faith. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus is actually Lord. He is actually king and master. And if he's king and master, he knows he can make whatever requests he wants. But it's up to the king to do what the king does. And his confession is a confession of what the king can do. Now the passage continues. Look at verse 3 with me. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. He stretched out his hand and touched him. Look how close the kingdom comes to the leper. Jesus has been proclaiming the kingdom since back in chapter 4. When Jesus proclaims the gospel of the kingdom, the essential reality of the good news of the kingdom is that the good news of the kingdom is at hand. And here, the king... And his kingdom literally reaches out and behold, touches the leper. The kingdom comes to the one who is poor in spirit. It's the Beatitudes in chapter 8. Being lived out right before our eyes, literally coming as close as the touch of the king himself. And he proclaims this. You say, Lord, if you will, I can be clean. I say, I will be clean. Now, that's authority. Right? He taught as one who has authority. Now he wills as one who has authority. Here he speaks as the one who has authority, whose will is done on earth as it is in heaven. He wills that the leper is clean, and so the leper is clean. So what's the way of the kingdom? What do we discover about the will of heaven in this story? The will of the kingdom is healing, restoration, wholeness. It is to be made right and to be brought into the kingdom of heaven. So let's frame the story according to the way that it's presented. The leper is unclean. He's not whole. He's unrighteous and unworthy. He comes to the Lord in that state. Nothing changed. When he was in the corner, he was unclean, unclean. When he was before the Lord, what was he? Unclean. Nothing changed. And there, in the state of his poverty, the Lord reaches out according to his will, speaks His word, and by the authority of his will and by the authority of his word, he's cleansed. And he offers this instruction with the instruction to go see the priest. The leper is restored and the righteous fellowship with God is restored and the righteous fellowship with his people is restored according to the will of the teacher. I want to read a a lengthy quote from Pastor Kent Hughes, whose commentary has been helpful during our time in the Sermon on the Mount. Kent Hughes writes this, The plight of the leper illustrated the effects of sin, though the leper was not actually any more sinful than anyone else. That's important for us to remember. R.C. Trench, the great Greek scholar and the inspiration for and first editor of the monumental Oxford English Dictionary, some of you know it by the OED, right? He recognized this, saying that though the leper was not worse or guiltier than his fellow Jews, nevertheless, he was a visible or a parable of sin, an outward and visible sign of innermost spiritual corruption. The leper is a physical illustration of the heart of every human being. Pause there. You know, I like movies. I like going to movies, I like music, I like listening to music. But when I go to the movies and I listen to music, all I hear is listen to your heart. All I hear is look deep within and you'll find the light to shine and move forth and dream big dreams. Well, the illustration that God has given us from the very beginning of the giving of the law is look at the leper. You see, I can't look into my heart. I look in there and I get real confused because the heart's deceitful above all things. And so he gives us this metaphor, this illustration, this outward visible sign of what it looks like in the heart of darkness. And if I was to look there and I was to see clearly, I would see a leper whose role is to cry out unclean, unclean. There's no light within to shine. And when when I do have clarity on who I am and the way that I walk, I, I see it. When I have freedom to act like who I want to be, when I feel anonymous and I consider what I'm like in those places, the leper shows up. All else is just hypocrisy. He continues, the leper is a physical illustration of the heart of every human being. If for a moment we could see a visible incarnation of ourselves apart from the cleansing work of Christ. Listen, listen to that. Note of hope. Apart from the cleansing work of Christ, we would see ourselves as the walking dead, forms dead in their trespasses and sins, forms trying to cover themselves with filthy rags and hanging hair. The leper is a parable, a living parable for us of sin. And this has been the point of Jesus throughout the whole of the sermon. Jesus has been telling us that no matter how we dress ourselves up on the outside, no matter how much we take the leper, take off the filthy clothes, and and clean up his hair, still a leper. We can strut about with our religious behaviors and our hypocrisy, but the leopard shows us an outward and visible sign of innermost spiritual corruption. All that Jesus has done for us, all that Matthew has done by giving us this story of the leper is he's unclothed the Pharisees and said, see, do you see? This is what it looks like. You remember the position of the leper according to the law? It says he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Why? Why make the, why not comfort the person who's sick, right? Well, because at the center of the camp is the tabernacle. At the center of the city is the temple. And in the midst of the city is the people of God who worship God in his holy place. And the place of God is a place for the clean, the righteous, the whole, not a place for the contamination of the one who is diseased. So the leper is removed from outside the camp, that the camp would not be made unclean and diseased. And the disease break out among the people. Friends, I just feel like I don't have to do any translation for us to realize what sin is like among the people of God. It is right that God would not allow such sin in his kingdom. So, we remember Hebrews chapter 13, 12. Some of you have already gone in in your mind and you're thinking, you're remembering how thirteen? How Hebrews 13 says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify, make holy, cleanse, consecrate the people through his own blood. Where did he go? Did he go to the righteous who were in the city? Did he go to the hypocrites? No, he went outside the camp. He went down the mountain to the leper. And the leper, poor in spirit... There, he sanctifies a people through his own blood. We remember the gospel story. Remember that that's not just a metaphor. That's actually what happened. Jesus, perfect in righteousness, was betrayed, falsely accused, and then condemned to death. He also carried a cross. A cross of his own execution, and he was led outside the walls of the Mount of Jerusalem. The city of God, and he was hung on top another hill, Called the skull, an unclean place where Jesus was hung on a tree like a man who is cursed. That's Jesus' actual story. And this is where Jesus died the death of the redeemed in their place. He took on their leprosy and died. This is the place of the great exchange, our sin and uncleanness laid on his shoulders that we might be cleansed and forgiven and brought in righteousness before God. I'll tell you, it stops me short in my tracks every time I think about this. I know what it's like to be a sinner, but I'll tell you what I'll never know what it's like. I'll never know what it's like to truly be sent outside the camp alone and suffer the extremity of God's judgment upon my sin. I'll never know it. Do you know why? Not because I don't deserve it, but because Jesus has died that death for me that I might be cleansed and forgiven and brought in righteousness before God. There, just outside the camp, hung Jesus. And his death becomes our cleansing, healing balm. It's one of my favorite phrases for the good news of the gospel, that it is a gospel balm that is applied to the hearts and soul of men and women who know that they are diseased, unclean, and in need of such healing. The gospel doesn't change the fact that we are outside the camp in our uncleanness. The gospel declares that Jesus went outside the camp to save us. That's so important. The gospel doesn't come to us and say, Hey, y'all clean. You don't need healing. It's okay. I'm here. Everything's good. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy God right where you are. It doesn't say that. The gospel doesn't say, judge not. Don't worry about your sin. No big deal. I'm not here to judge you. The gospel says, judged in your place, where you ought to have been judged, there is mercy, cleansing, and grace. The good news of the gospel is that the Savior has come to bind our wounds. He sees our wicked disease. He sees it. He wasn't blind, but rather he inspires Matthew to say, behold, the leper came. And he brings a balm. What does the leper do who has been made clean? What are the redeemed who have heard the preaching of the gospel, poor in spirit and entrance into the kingdom by grace? What does the leper do? He shows himself to the priest, gives thanks to God, and is restored to the fellowship of the people of God among the dwelling place of God. This is what entrance into the kingdom looks like. It looks like going and giving thanks. This is the right response to God's cleansing work. We give thanks and are restored to the people. I'll tell you what he didn't do. The leper didn't get all cleansed up. And then go back to the life of the leper. Now he went to fellowship with the people of God wherever their Savior was. Now... One note before we bring this application to our own hearts and lives. It's kind of true. It's kind of He did not go back to the life of a leper. He, he didn't hide in the shadows. He didn't go to be alone or to live in a leper's camp. No, he didn't go to live the life of the leper anymore. He wasn't a leper anymore. He was cleansed. He belongs among the people of God, with God. But where is God now? Back to Hebrews 13, it says, just after it says that Jesus went outside the camp, it tells us what we're to do. In Hebrews 13, it says, therefore, let us go to him. Well, where is he? Outside the camp. And bear the reproach he endured. There are really two ways that we do that. We do that just like the leper did and says, unclean, Lord, impoverished in spirit, we go to him in humble faith that we might be redeemed. But we also go to where he is and bear his reproach by going back to the leper's camp. Not as a leper, but as a person who is redeemed with news of a gospel balm. What we do is we go where the sinners are. We don't just hang out in the temple like the Pharisees do. We go where the sinners are and we declare, lepers, sinners, you know, me, remember me? I was diseased just like you. And I met a teacher his name is Jesus I fell before him as a leper and he cleansed me That's the news of a people who were lepers who have been cleansed and go to the lepers to declare the salvation of our uh, that is found in the grace of our Lord Jesus For he here we have no lasting city But we seek the city is to come, the day in which he'll gather all the former lepers to himself who have all been made clean by his grace. Gather them into his kingdom forever. Now that's good news. There is a visible picture of the purpose on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 8. Remember the leper huddling in the corner, crying unclean? You remember that? Now, imagine that leper... He's huddled in the corner, crying unclean. Now he sees Jesus. He stands up. He walks over to Jesus, humbles himself, kneels down, poverty of spirit. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus wills. He goes. He goes to the temple. He goes to the priest. He makes his offering of thanksgiving. And he is declared clean before the people. So now he has fellowship with the people. And then the next time we see him, Walking around Jerusalem, we see him standing on a street corner, praying for all to see him. Rejoicing with great words, lofty words. And then condemning people who don't keep the law like he now keeps the law as a consecrated one. Imagine him standing, looking on at the sinner or tax collector and saying, Thank God, I'm not like the sinner and tax collector anymore. Does that even make any sense? That's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. It's about a people who walk around in hypocrisy, pretending like they aren't lepers. It's a call to people like you and I that we not forget who we are apart from the cleansing word and will of a Redeemer. No, the truly cleansed, the truly redeemed are those who know that they have entered the kingdom not by their righteousness, but by grace. They know that they are a people who have been cleansed. We're a a cleansed, not a clean people. We're a cleansed people. They know what disease and filthy rags feel like and they know what it's like to cry out unclean and they know what it's like to cry out cleansed, cleansed. (laughs) By Jesus. And we go to the unclean and we cry, cleansed, cleansed by the grace of Jesus. The leper in chapter 8 is an example of someone who hears, believes, and does the word of God. He who has appreciated and appropriated the words of Jesus. And so I would ask you, do you know that apart from the cleansing work of Jesus, you too are dead Leprous, condemned in your own sin. Do you know that? Everyone, do you know that? Have you knelt before the king to cry out in faith? Have you made that confession? Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And so this morning I call you, if this is you, make your prayer in faith. Lord, if you will, You can make me clean. And know that the whole of the testimony of what Matthew and and, and Jesus' sermon is all about is that we would know he wills. This you can ask, this you can seek, this you can knock, and he will cleanse you. Heavenly Father, it is a beautiful picture of grace. Behold the leper. Lord, I pray that we would see who we are, that we would see our hearts apart from the cleansing work of Jesus. That we would see that we have no hope, that we would remember, as Ephesians 2 says, who we once were in the paths in which we once walked. But God, by grace through faith, we have been redeemed. But Lord, I pray that for each one that we would examine our hearts, and for the one that knows that they are a sinner, this is a grace but has not cried out to you in faith, but has rejected your cleansing grace over and over again, whether it's in pride or self-righteousness or in ignorance or in foolishness or in a desire to sin just a little longer. I pray that they would see what their sin has done. They would see what your grace has done for this leper. Lord, I pray that you would cleanse that one, cause them to make a similar confession, and that you would bring the miracle of salvation to bear on each heart. Children, teenagers, adults, each one, that we would know your grace. And then we would stand on the street corner and say, I have been cleansed. Give thanks to God. And so we do. We thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.